Welcome to Off Crap, a Hellboy podcast, a show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! <laughs> and we're back. Yeah! You've had a couple of weeks with beer, uh, some board game playing, the first Hellboy movie, but now we're back to the page, baby! The good stuff. <laughs> the, the source. Good, the source material. Back to the well. Uh, the, the, where all of it is. The best. Everything we can't be angry at. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though not much we've been angry about lately. These no. have been just so great. The game was great. The beer was great. Great. The movie we it was divisive. The movie exists. <laughs> All, as I feel like every movie is divisive yeah. and some especially if it has a source material. Yeah. If it's gonna be divisive. You know. If you liked it, great. Yeah, exactly. You know? You know? But we still want to hear your feelings. And that yes. brings us right into this segment. Oh boy. Email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we have one email that we're going to cover today, and it is all about Hellboy in the movie. This comes from our friend, Professor Richard Pittaway. This email is titled, Ah, crap, that movie, parentheses, with a board game chaser to wash it down. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love that. Go home. If you didn't like it or whatever, if you didn't, if you liked it, go home and read the comics. Then you'll appreciate yeah. the real thing. Um, that's my chaser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just looking at pages of Hellboy. Great. He says, Dear Hellcasters, Well, guys, the long-anticipated movie is here, and it was... A movie. <laughs> but seriously, folks, I actually enjoyed it as a fun little summer movie, but I think the main issues with it fall into three major mistakes. I shorthand them as the three movies who made the same mistake in the past. This movie, Spider-Man 3'd, formerly Batman and Robin, it Fantastic Ford, and finally it Van Helsing, Helsinged. I sometimes call this justice leaking, but they are actually pulling out some good movies now, so they may need a reprieve. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, Aquaman myself. Have you, Kate? I have not. I knew a guy who worked on the special effects of it, and he made it sound so bad that I, I didn't. Oh, no. But I do. I, I don't know. I think it looks fun. Like, I don't know. I I I still would give it a chance, but I just oh. didn't make it a priority. I'm with you 100%. I yeah. have not seen that or Shazam. Shazam doesn't look up my alley at all, but uh, Aquaman, I was on the soft, like, eh, I don't want to spend the money, but can't wait for them to hit HBO Go. Yeah, dude. I'll <laughs> definitely watch them when they come, like, when they show up there for sure. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> he says, <laughs> Spider-Man 3. I use this movie as a shorthand for having too many villains. When you try to put too many villains in a movie, you really do have to tie to flesh. You do have to try Excuse me. There's a typo. Mm, piss, Mr. Professor Pittaway. You're messing my. I read it exactly, but it, not your fault. You really right do off not the teleprompter. He yeah, it. I am. I'm like uh, no strength. Ron, Ron Burgundy over here. You really do not have. You really do not have to flesh any of them out. You really have. I think what he's meaning to say is you really have to try to flesh any of them out, or you don't have to. Can you read this sentence? Yeah. I feel dumb and I'm sorry, Mr. Oh, Bidaway. I'm sure you're not dumb. <laughs> I um, just feel like I'm messing up his email. Yeah. I used this movie as shorthand for having too many villains. Uh, Spider-Man 3 is referring to. When you try to put too many villains in a movie, you really do not have to try to flesh any of them out. So they end up being bad guy number 20,134,002 okay. instead of being unique 
memorable and having complex motivations, they just fade into each other. That makes sense. Yeah. So I agree. A hundred percent. I wonder if yeah. there is an example out there of too many villains that worked like, cause I, a lot of times I'm like, I don't want to uh, like, I think I'm going to continue with his email, but I don't want to always just make that the assumption. If you have too many villains that the movie, it's going to be bad. I think these have just examples of it, them doing it badly. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have an example off the top of my head. Unfortunately, I mean, star Wars, you got Kylo Ren and you have two, at least Tyler Ren yeah. and Snook. Whatever you know what I mean, and like, and sometimes and you have, you'll have like a gangster, like you'll have like a Jabba the Hutt or something like that. Like yeah. you'll have like side villains, right? Whereas I think this is done badly, where they're all equal, and like he's saying, they sort of just blend into no depth or variation in them. Yeah. So I agree with him. I just think it's not a sign always of just blankly you. A movie can't have too many villains. Like it's like, oh, you have too many villains, so we have to change that, get rid of them. It's more like go back and rewrite it. Yeah. Write it better. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to attempt to say. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I see what you're saying. So he says, Spider-Man did this by trying to include Venom, Sp Sandman, and the return of the Green Goblin all at once. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Batman and Robin was so full of villains, I forgot Bane was in it until someone mentioned him in the run-up to The Dark Knight Rises, and I went back and looked. In this film, we had Nemu, um, Grugak, Grugak, Grugak. I always pronounce the pig, the the pig's Graugak name wrong. Graugak. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Uh, the Osiris Mr. Club. Pig. <laughs> yeah. The Osiris Club, not the one in Jer in Jersey. Fairies, demons, Damio, and Babiaga. Is Damio considered a villain? I think he's more of like an obstacle or he's kind of like an anti-hero to our hero in a weird sense, who they've already performed as an anti-hero. Yeah. Which is also bad. He's more of like I mean, a reluctant yeah. he a, a reluctant a reluctant ally is probably what I would yeah. categorize him as more so than a villain. Yeah, but point taken. But very a good lot. point made. There's, there's too many. Yeah, and you're not developing them all. They're sort of just thrown together. Yeah, because there's, I mean, we haven't reached all those storylines, but all those storylines that are are weaved in that not even weaved, meshed and thrown into a fucking stew that never got to cook yeah. fully. Um, they're great stories. They're yeah. just unfortunately just thrown into a movie like as if they're supposed to work together. I don't think they put in the the work to really get them to weave yeah. properly, I guess. And then he says, Spider-Man 3 failed with all three villains and you want seven? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're right. If you three is already hard enough to actually write and develop. If you're going to try seven, you're going to have to go not only double time, you're going to go triple or. And with Spider-Man, I mean, that's the third movie in a series. So you're already, you have established the green goblin and Spider-Man's a fucking way more popular character than Hellboy. So it's like the, it's out there in the like lexicon of the world. Like kids know about Spider-Man from all kinds, like, you know, there's well, even no that, what you just said is there was two other movies prior. So you've already even developed your, your lead. Yeah. People know who Peter Parker and Spider-Man is going into the third. Right. There's going to be a, maybe a different arc for him. Cause that's a good movie. We'll do that. But you have that reliant. If you're doing, especially this, which it was sort of, I don't know. Maybe I can't remember if we talked about this or not, but did you get the feeling that they were too reliant on the, that, that people knew the Guillermo's? Because I felt like they they didn't develop our Hellboy well enough. Totally. I think like 
they were popular movies and kind of a lot of, I think they did kind of rely on everybody seeing those movies. I think a lot of the like interaction with the marketing was like a lot of people saying like, I miss Ron Perlman or I want to see this version of the character. And like, I don't know. So I guess those movies did like pretty well. They were like a success and yeah, they, yeah, you don't really get to figure out how boys pass. They like imply that he was friends with a guy in Mexico and let him go get drunk. But like that doesn't really tell us much. Yeah. Like the, yeah, you, you don't learn a lot about this guy. Yeah. And I think that might've been a little bit of them thinking that we're doing the third act and like, no, you didn't. This is yeah because you recast and because you're, everything changed. You're restarting. Yeah, you need to reestablish. Like, unfortunately, like with Spider Man, we're on Spider Man right now. They didn't go from P, uh, Toby Maguire's Spider Man into Amazing Spider Man and just rely on that. Yeah, they had to reestablish it. And then the same with Tom Holland. But they were lucky enough to like. They were lucky enough to be like, everybody knows Spider-Man. We just need to now introduce them to our Peter Parker and we can right. do it. And they were lucky enough to do it in a Civil War and then bigger in Homecoming. Yeah. Because MCU rules. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Jesus, tap dancing. Christ, it was so garbled that I counted these out. Started list- listing them. Forgot some and had to rethink while doing the list with yeah. the villains. Yeah, you're right. He says, Fantastic Four. Not to be confused with the Fantastic Four with Chris Evans, which had completely different issues. This is fan fortastic, which is the Fantastic Four with uh, yeah. uh, Miles Teller, I believe. Yeah. And all that. And uh, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Was the more recent contract extending abomination done with the younger cast. I remember watching it on my computer while painting, as I do when I don't need all of my attention to follow the plot. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, we all do that. And I remember thinking, man, they are introducing these characters for a long time. I looked at the time length and saw there was only 30 minutes to get to the story. Now, this movie had a lot more story, but it suffered from the same writing issue. Fanboys in the writer's room. Or or I don't know if there were even fan. I mean, I don't know the, the writer very well, Crosby or Cosby. Or, I think it's Crosby that wrote Hellboy. I don't know if he is a fanboy or not, but I think you what you are hitting on, too, um, and Kate can speak to this as well, is that I think they were doing, they were serving fan. They're trying to serve the fans, but in the wrong way. They're literally just like, they're showing you the names of these things and like sort of show, like they're showing you their version of the character, but I don't think that they captured the feeling of the character in the comic, which was like my main objection to the movie. Like maybe even if I hadn't seen Hellboy, like I really do wonder what my perception of the movie would have been but as far as like now being somebody who's like been reading the comics for a year and we've read a bunch of these fucking comics and love them very much and I think like that this movie is not really representative of the tone or characterization that the comics make like make of these yeah it it was a poor I'm not even gonna go so far like I don't think you have to honor absolutely everything when you take from a source material. Yeah, yeah. Like there it's called adaptation for a reason. Yeah. And I just think this is an example of a poorly adapted character. Yeah. Whereas I even even with the prior episode that we've already discussed with Hellboy 2004, I have issues with that, but I would I would consider that at least a well-adapted version. 
Right, right. You know what I it's mean? It's not necessarily like the comic only can represent itself and this these movies can only represent themselves. They're like creations of a ton of different people as opposed to one person's fucking vision, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's gonna turn out different and always. Yeah. And it just like wasn't my fave. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's this whole email is about yeah. that. <laughs> and he's, you have great uh, points here, uh, Pitaway. And we'll continue with your email. And he, he continues by saying, Now, when you become too attached to putting every favorite moment from a comic book or a book, for that matter, into a script, you end up falling down the fanboy rabbit hole where newcomers are lost. But since you are constrained by time and never and will never make the whole story into the movie, you piss off fans, too, because you have to half-ass it to get all the rest. Yeah, Agree, 100%. Yeah. You can't put everything in it. That's a big flaw of it. Doing a disservice to all those stories, like, and yeah. those characters. Just because you say their name and they show up for, like, 10 minutes in the movie, it's like, that, it doesn't, it's not worth it to me if you're gonna, yeah, have to rush everything and have this, like, half-baked version of all of those things. 100% agree with you yeah. and pit away. I think you're right on that. You gotta get everything habits it's time. Have you watched Game of Thrones? Are you caught up? I am, yeah. I, I don't want to spoil anything too much, but I'm going <laughs> to say this. I think the last the last episode, the final episode of Game of Thrones, included, it. I think it mashed three seasons of that show into one episode. Where I was like, or maybe this last season a little bit, but that episode had moments where I was like, no, this... For me, like, this is what I think. I think that the, and I'm just using this as an example of mashing things in and not giving them them due. And yeah. I don't even want more episodes of Game of Thrones. I'm just saying, if you wanted to honor, I think the story that you started with, yeah. the war, the war with the, the, uh, the Night King should have been a whole season arc. Yeah. That should yeah. have been a whole season arc and it yeah. should have ended with the, the, the conclusion that it did. The war with Cersei and all that should have been its own fucking arc of a season even if that just meant six episodes it needed to be its own and then i think the 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 reign of of denarius yeah. and what they their conclusion they came to with that you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah. with john and everybody i think that needed its own series arc to make it feel fulfilling yeah and have its own moment and i think that's what he's getting at is that each of these moments in hellboy you can't just in what you've already said is just throw them in and try to get it in there all at once you got to be like right you got to give it its due even if you show some like some version of some passage of time it's like not going to hit in the same way that if you could just show it if you could actually show a, a full-length movie or a full season to really convey the amount of time that passes between these events. Like, I feel like they do a lot of that in the most recent season of game of Thrones where it's like, it's implied that a lot of time has passed, but like very quickly. And it's confusing for viewers, I think, because everything then feels fucking rushed as hell. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's how this movie felt. Uh, I mean, their flashbacks tried to catch you up, but yeah. the flashbacks ended up confusing you. And we've had, we went with two people that didn't read Hellboy ever. It confused them versus informed them. Yeah. They just really could have simplified it. And I think that it would have been a lot more successful as a movie. Cause there were like interesting elements and like some interesting, like cool design shit that I, that I think could have been featured a lot better. I don't know. No, you're right. You know, he says you could do a whole movie on the corpse. Yeah. Uh, but instead, we have this micro flashback scene where we skip almost the entire story. Yeah. We were just talking about that. Yeah. I would argue I think the corpse would be a great. Uh, I don't know if it would be like a full feature. 
I think it, it it's such a self-contained short story that I would argue that you make it. Um, you know how when uh, Blade Runner, the newest Blade Runner came out, they did yeah. shorts leading up to that world. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like other shows have done that, or the MCU has done like little shorts between movies. I think that's what the corpse would have been. Yeah, great. That been great. It's like a lead up to introduce you to certain characters and maybe the early life of Alice. So it's like the movie doesn't depend on it, but it like it gives it a more of a a life between. I almost want Hellboy to be like an HBO show or something. Like I feel like that would really give it the time and like patience that a lot of the stories would benefit from, I think. Yeah. <laughs> They'll no, never fucking do it. No, I think it, you're right. It would be but neat. it felt like you were smashing your face as you said this. I was like, smushing Causing you so much stress. Yeah. Stress. They'll never like, do it. I was just like holding in my thought because it'll never They never will. I think this is such a, a niche and beautiful um, comic book on its own legs. That yeah. I just don't know what they, I don't, I don't think the Hollywood or them know what to do with it. Yeah. That could change down the line, but right now I don't think they know what to do with it. Um, and he continues, he says, instead of a, fin- a fascinating journey with a talking corpse fighting with giants and Kelpies and a hard won reward, we get Hellboy sitting with a book waiting for a fairy to bring a baby because he asked for it. I agree. Yeah. Boring as fuck. If you couldn't do more, don't waste the runtime on it. I would rather have yeah. been. You're, he's hundred percent right. He says, "I would rather have been a full, rather I would rather have seen a full length feature on just the corpse or any of the short stories, than the overabundance of stories which we didn't see most of anyway." Hell, if you caught it, they even had Doctor Carp mentioned as one of those Cyrus Club members as a little Easter egg cameo, which is dumb. Don't. Especially it's that those things. Yeah, I get they might we go might perk up, but it's like there's like just a saturation eh. point, you know, it's like there's so, only so much you can jam in there before it's like, all right, like I can't I can't be following all of this like it. I don't know. Yeah. And the material just deserves more time on its own. A hundred percent. Yeah. This is exhausting, UK. <laughs> <laughs> I just agree with, uh, with Richard. We do agree I with do you. I do agree. But we read all everywhere in your email. <laughs> he says, Van Helsing slash Justice League. Van Helsing, the one with Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. was a fun summer movie that was expected to become a whole franchise. They went so far as to write up a TV pilot, sign all the actors to the multi-movie deals, really? and had a comic book series to go with it. Didn't know this. That's pretty amazing that they just went that far, which I get. I think I know what uh, he's going at and what, <laughs> what we can infer to the Hellboy movie. Yeah. Um, all of this fell to not when it bombed at the box office. While it was a fun movie, there wasn't much very there wasn't very much interest in any of the characters because they knew they were going to have more time to fill in backstory, so they didn't bother. This ended up with two dimensional characters that no one wanted to see more of. I lumped Justice League in here because when they initially started the build up, DC learned the wrong lesson from Avengers. They saw how much Avengers made and thought we got to get us some of that. Mm-hmm. They forgot that Marvel made several meh movies in order to establish the characters before doing the big ensemble movie. That way, they could take their time to establish who they were and didn't have to take time for that in the big movie. Remember the first Thor? It was not very good. I mean, that's your opinion. I like I do it. Like I the think first, it's fun. The, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a solid B plus. Yeah. Uh, for me, and then he says. And don't get me started on Captain America, the montage, the movie. Yeah, uh, the first Avengers I have issues with. I think it is actually a good introduction to 
Cap as a character. Yeah. As a standalone movie, I have issues with it. Um, it's not. It's one of the few that I don't own. Yeah. That's surprising because <laughs> yeah. you'd like that character. Yeah, I love that character, but yeah. I think that he, yeah, he gets to his, he gets to show his man out of time that which really makes him stand out. Yeah, Winter Soldier and so forth. Yeah, uh, in Avengers as well. So going back to Hellboy, and as Kate pointed out, they thought, oh, we have a franchise. This is quoting you. Yeah. So we can keep a lot of characterization and go for nonstop action. But in fact, no, you have to put in the time if you want the audience to give a crap about these people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you said it best. Um, we'd only be repeating and agreeing with you at this point, but that is exactly what it felt like. And yeah. I know that like a lot of people love seeing Lobster Johnson on the big screen, but again, it fell into like all of these categories: underdeveloped, fan, just for like a fan nod to get your boner up. <laughs> it's just like not earned, though. Not like, earned. It's yeah. like it's like he shows up and it's like. But yeah, but like there's you by the end of that movie, you know, there's not going to be another one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, oh, here is a little sneaky peek thing for you guys for some implied second movie. It's like you guys really <laughs> overreached on that. Like you got to really make did. a solid movie that does well. Yeah. You got to make the first and then you you grow from there, which is always great. Yeah. And he says that all being said. There were some parts I quite liked. Ectoplasm was probably shown. Yes, I know it was gross, but it kind of is supposed to be. Cool. We liked that take. We hated it. (laughs) Too gross. I think there's something more elegant. So solid. Yeah, like I wanted more to like the Johan kind of like, there's a more of like a gassy or like ethereal like thing. It's like a vapor, but like this felt so much like it's just she's getting turned inside out or something. Like it looked like guts. Yeah, there was something that just didn't work for us, but it worked for Pitaway. I didn't love it. I liked when all the demons of hell are summoned to the earth. They are each unique monsters and not generic red horned guys. I would agree with that. I just think it felt on another uh, we keep landing on this, this phrase and word unearned moments. Like, I agree with you. Like, that moment is cool visually. But I was like, what the fuck? I was, even as a viewer and a a a reader of the comics, I was like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what are they, what's the goal here? And I get that we kept saying a new Eden and all this, and eventually you can listen to it. But it just, it felt like we we, we got to places and then we got caught up. And not in a good way. Not like a a good mystery. Yeah. It's like, yeah. But. But I agree. They were all different, well-designed. There was a little call-out to um, the frog monsters as well in there. The Torch of Liberty is replaced by the lobster. I told you I thought it was him there until I went back and reread it. Cool. You did say that. Yeah. The way they properly had Hellboy wandering around without people being horrified by him. I agree with that. That is a good element. He's just part of the world. They went for a bad joke, though, in that. When she asked for the ID, and he went, Really? <laughs> yeah. Bad joke. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. There were steps. There were maybe a couple steps forward. Or maybe this one step. A lot of steps back for me. But that's great. We love hearing uh, from you guys about what you liked and your opinions on this movie. That, that definitely vary from us. Yeah. Then he says, not saying that all of those things were without flaw. Lobster Johnson was clearly fan service. And that credit scene was a waste trying to reach for a sequel. Ectoplasm is supposed to supplement, supplement, not drip. 
Is that what that is that right? Sublimate? Sublimate? Sublimate probably. Yeah, sublimate. We go from a solid uh, to a gas. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Uh, the educated one here is Kate, and <laughs> I'm like the one and I'm thing still I remember reading the emails. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only thing I remember from chemistry. I love it. It's supernatural goo that takes energy from the material plane and combines it with fluid from the medium, not bile that's being thrown up. Yep, exactly yeah. what we thought it looked like. So you're right. The demons could have been more rooted rather than being stylized. Del Toro monsters. Cool. The Ars Gautier. The literally has descriptions of a bunch of major demons. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could always go uh, more in depth than that stuff. Yeah. But I think that starts with simplifying your script, and then you have those be the Easter eggs. When you have your designers dig deep into that stuff, I think. Yeah. But that thing starts with staying simple. Clearly, Mignola uses it for inspiration. Back to the Ars uh, Gautier. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. A-R-S-G-O-E-T-I-A. Because Kate, Goetia? you looked confused. Goetia? Goetia? You pronounce a lot of stuff great. But he knows? Knows what, you know what we're talking about. At least it's a big-ass book of uh, demons. Demons. We yeah. get it. Big book of demons. Yeah. Give me a seven-foot-tall owl with gigantic legs wearing a crown. Give me a three-headed creature with the heads of a cat, a human, and a toad. Give me a human with claws in the place of hands and the head of a unicorn. Yeah. You're totally right. That'd but be I think cool. It'd be always cool. But just be aware, I think... It's just got to be done properly and written well because if you throw all those monsters in there that you love, it can fall into that place of too many villains as well. You want everything to have its moment and be earned is what I I want to say. Yes, you're right, but also be careful what you wish for sometimes. I also, that was like one of the few things I didn't fucking hate was those demons, the the like white pale demons coming out. Like I I was like, we didn't need development from them. We just needed them to be horrific. Yeah, yeah. So and I think you're they right. They were stabbing and like <laughs> they belching were, they were very lava bad. out onto the street. And then uh, here we go. Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> so much potential whisked right down the gutter. But turning to exciting news, Hellboy the board game. Yeah. I finally received my copy. And oh boy, are these models de- detailed. I'm going to start small and work my way up, I think, because I'd feel awful if I did a bad job on the big guy right off. I'll probably start off easy with Johan and Cronin. I got the Kickstarter version, so I get more to play with. I'm very village, very jealous of that. I wonder what is extra, like if you like. I he might have sent that in his email prior. Some of the images might have been from the Kickstarter. Oh, I have cool. to go back and double check. I know Conqueror Worm is part of the Kickstarter, so there's a lot of more like cases and figures i cool. i'm assuming they'll have and i believe they've already announced they would have like expansion packs Sweet. which i'll spend some money on for us um since it. we have I'll this point have released we've there. played the game um at least the the first round we haven't gotten into the cases as of this recording yet oh, with I our see, friends like, some of the stuff right here yeah the conqueror worm. is huge yeah that's pretty cool very cool stuff so we are very jealous and he says, or maybe the monkey with a gun or iron shoes. Uh, that's crazy that they started with, they had those in the Kickstarter immediately. The monkey with yeah, the gun and iron very shoes. Funny. Very fun, deep dives and great. Gah, it's overwhelming how much choice I have. I did want to point out something you missed on Mantic's website, though. Thank you. There's something I always miss. Though they are a British company, you can get all the prices converted to American dollars by selecting the American flag in the upper right-hand corner of the site. Sweet. Didn't know that. Nice. That's a very helpful tip. Thank yeah. you, Mr. Pitaway. Or should I say, Professor Pitaway? <laughs> Don't want to be wrong about that. 
That's a great tip for everybody out there. You just click that American flag and it will change the prices over because I went and was a dummy and Googled it. There are also a few Kickstarter editions you can still purchase on the website. So if you want the first two expansions, including the make your own case file option and the insane Conqueror worm model, it's like two feet wide and three point or two inches wide. Excuse me. It's like two inches wide and 3.5 inches tall. I'm intimidated by it as a project. Yeah, it's very cool. You can still, I was about to say two feet tall, like it was like a child you had at home. Yeah, it's giant. You can still get it. It's $200, so remember to check with your wife before you buy it, or get a very comfortable couch like I did. Wow. You got to the couch, huh? I won't be buying it anytime soon. Yeah, it's very funny. You bought that Kickstarter. What the fuck did you buy? (laughs) Excuse me, honey? Get out of here. Honey, we needed food. Yeah, right. <laughs> we had to, our car doesn't work. Yeah. Right. You bought a board game? But a motherfucking $200. $200? So is hard not, not that to spend insane. money on cool shit. Yeah, I really wish I could get on right now and buy it. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to my ramblings again. Love always, Professor Pitaway. Thanks for emailing us. It's very great. We really appreciate we the appreciate thorough it. emails and everybody else. You Just a quick reminder. Um, you can email us at ah crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Um, and he we talked about the newest movie a lot in that email. And then just this is gonna transition to this quick segment um before we get to the pages. Just an episode addendum to Hellboy 20 or Hellboy 2004. I keep wanting to say 2014 because that's I'm okay. crazy. <laughs> um but we just um, wanted to quickly discuss, because I don't think we gave it the, the time, was The Good Samaritan, which was developed for, which I think is very confusing. It's developed in the movies by Guillermo del Toro. It's not a creation of, of Mignola's. I do believe, or unless I stand corrected by one of you guys emailing me, uh, us, about that. But I'm pretty sure that came. I, I've looked it up. It came from the movies. It's something that I'm not a huge fan of, but it is a thing I've noticed that most fans and probably most of our listeners love about Hellboy, I feel like. Yeah, a lot of people make it. Like, it's a cool-looking prop for sure. For sure. And a lot of people who, like, cosplay it, like, as Hellboy will make it because it's just, like, very distinct-looking with the four, like, chamber barrel and all that cool shit. But, yeah, like, while... Torch gave him a gun. I don't think it was ever called the Good Samaritan. It never like had a specific name and it is not a huge, it's not like this like treasured thing that he keeps with him all the time or like references by name like that. Yeah. It's like only in the movie. It was like just to make it, just to make like a cool thing for the movie basically. Yeah. And I get that. That's sort of like Guillermo's thing is like making props in addition. Like it's part of his design, I think background and his, what his focus is in a lot of his movies is, designing things yeah but he, he likes like badass props and stuff like that like he probably was just like this would be fucking cool as hell yeah and when i say i dislike it it's not that i don't appreciate his design and appreciate some of the fun little specifics of making your own bullets with magical things that can take down uh supernatural beings it reminds demons. me of blade a lot like yeah, yeah. it that you're very right i mean it is the director like of UV blade too. bullets and shit yeah, and I feel like for me, and the, what I love in the source material is that one is a. He, I don't understand a character. This is why it doesn't translate for me in the movies, and why I don't love it being a main staple of his. Is in the comics, 
I never find him reliant on guns. If no, anything, no. he he well, he's not a good shot. So why why is a character who is known to not be a good shot? Why would he revere and want guns so much? Yeah. To me, not a good shot. I guess means he says in the movie the bullets are big, so it's harder to miss or something like that. Bad joke in my opinion, but <laughs> but whereas, he's usually like he's like a he's like an opportunist. He's like picking up sculptures with spears and like picking up spears from that shit or like swords off of like you know, graves or something like that. Like he's just grabbing weapons where he can find it. Yeah. If his punch don't work, he's then he'll grab something. Yeah. I agree. And I don't think he does not use gun because yeah, like, we've yeah. seen him, but I don't think he's reliant on it. Like I, and again, I think it, for me, it misses the idea of like the idea. He's not a good shot. Also shows me from the comic book that he doesn't give it time. He, it's not important to him. Yeah. It's just a tool. Yeah. Because if he really cared and really wanted to be a good shot, he could train. He could train and be able to shoot with his left hand. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think other agents have done that training and he's like, whatever. Yeah, he's got <laughs> and the that's right hand of character. doom. Like, that's his real, that's the thing. And I think they missed that uh, little character trait of his that I find fun versus just bigger bullets I can hit something. It's like, yeah, it's a shotgun. You still got to know how to shoot a fucking shotgun. Yeah. Even though it's spread out, if you have one that spreads, yeah, that thing will kick you back. I remember that in Boy Scouts. It's just that a fucking like reverence to guns that Yeah, and I, I understand listeners aren't going <laughs> to country. Agree. Yeah, as a country. <laughs> and I understand listeners, you guys aren't going to fully agree with that. That's just my thing. And maybe Kate's as well. I don't I think so. I mean, I just don't and care I'm, about I, it. I, I'm and I'll I tell do, you, I'm I, a John Wick fan. Yeah, I, yeah. But I will never buy a gun, but I fucking love John Wick movies. Yeah. But I just think that. I'm not like that, anti-guns in a movie. Like it's a, for for the whatever entertainment purpose, but. I just don't like making a character like trait that's not his. His. Uh, yeah, and now it's true. become such part of him. And I'm like, and I think one of the, I hated the one, the biggest one in the newest movie was when he was like, when he was talking to the Osiris Club and he's like, I got my traditions and he taps his gun like and the fact that right and the fact that broom gave him a fucking gun is like and that's like some kids get legos i get yeah. a gun and i'm like i just think this isn't part of the their whole relationship was so fucking sideways <laughs> yeah. in that movie like it's just so dumb it just like made it it just made it so much more like surface level like Angst. tough guy yeah. like yelling dad and make it's like it's just fucking so tired. And like the other relationship, even in the other movie was so much more nuanced where it's just like a dad who cares about Hellboy giving, imbuing him with this ability to be more human, you know, like he was treated with respect from his father figure, even though he looks demonic. And so he's able to treat other people respectfully and other monsters respectfully before he like, you know, he doesn't want to kill people. But then in this new movie, you have this angry, yelling dad who makes him like a teenage asshole, even though he's 60 fucking years old or <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. And again, I think that's part of like, I feel like they they hold on to that that teenage aspect so much. Yeah. But I'm like, it doesn't make any we sense. It doesn't make sense because I think we're missing. Then it can't be modern. If you put that back in like, so if he was the 40s. It would be like if he was in the 60s, Dylan, going through that shit with his dad. Right. I might understand. But if we're all the way in the 2000s, just because you say he ages old in a different way, 
That's his body aging. That's yeah. not his experience level. Yeah. And Mentally, his- <laughs> he's like fucking 80 years yeah. old. Get your shit together, dude. <laughs> and I think that, that that goes for both movies. I think they little, they sort of missed the mark on that for me. A little bit, yeah. And then brought the gun stuff in a little a little much for my taste. Yeah. I, I like the idea that he was given a gun by Torch of Liberty and it never fucking worked. So he's just like, yeah. that's unreliable. Yeah. I got me. That's what's reliable. Yeah. And my little trinkets. Yeah. <laughs> and my and my friends and I my guess team. that's what they were like trying to make it less like he has his trinkets in the comics, but in the movie it's like, well, I jam all the trinkets into a bullet and I shoot it at the monster. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's not cool. It's on like camera. silver and white oak and it, particles I, and shit like that. Like. Yeah. And we're coming off of in the two thousands off of Matrix making yeah. like slow motion bullets be cool for a while. Yeah. But you always did see every action movie after that, including X Men and the Aldemar all that era, they loved just wanting to slow down bullets. It was yeah. never even a new take on it. It was just, we want to do that. It just looks fucking cool. <laughs> and you're like, we're, no, it, it's not that cool if you can yeah. doing it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all. We just wanted to put a little <laughs> addendum to that uh, Hellboy 2004 conversation, and, and specifically about the Good Samaritan. We'd love to, again, hear your thoughts on that. But let's move on. <laughs> And introduce what we're covering today, which is the first two issues, chapter one and two of Plague of Frogs. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. BPRD, oh, it's baby. It's so cool. Like, okay, so written, Give them some facts. Still written by Mike Mignola. So, um, he's holding on still, yeah, even though he's in the middle of going through the movie and all of that. Yeah, he's still like, this is what I want to do with the story. So that's cool. And... Illustrated by Guy Davis, who's awesome. Colored by Dave Stewart, who is awesome as always. Lettered by Clem Robbins. Edited by Scott Alley. Originally published BPRD, Plague of Frogs, number one through five. And that was back in March through July of 2004. Um, Yeah, so we're seeing more like development of the other members of the BPRD, how they're kind of continuing to work with the BPRD once Hellboy leaves. And um, it's cool as shit. Like this is such a moody, creepy story. Yeah. Um, We're going to yeah. take a quick break. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're so excited to, <laughs> to talk about this. We got to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to jump right into the pages of Plague of Frogs. <laughs> hey, Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, yeah Claire? Claire. Do you love Disney movies? Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not, Not all, all of them. them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends? <gasps> I love that. Yeah. What if we do it inside the Disney vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah. Check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Woo! Welcome back to Aw oh, Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. And we're jumping right into the pages of Plague of Frogs, chapter yeah. one and two. So chapter one starts off where we're seeing this professor showing up to a BPRD lab. They're like, security's trying to stop him. Sir, you gotta like, you gotta make an appointment. But as soon as the, the, one of the BPRD doctors sees him, he's like, come on in. I love your work in the journal. Like they're old buds and they're aware of each other's work and stuff. They go into this, you know, this laboratory behind some thick metal doors. You know, there's like a key card to get in. So whatever's in there is like heavy stuff. We see this like 
gargantuan fucking mushroom tentacly gross fungus creature yeah it's a wild it's so gross it's like writhing up behind this glass this professor seems to be uh pretty interested in it as the like <laughs> bprd doctor is like oh it's so cool like these yeah. are the features that, like, it was know. six weeks six weeks ago it was the size of my thumbnail can you yeah. imagine he's just like talking about it like an excited scientist would talk about fungus so as he's explaining it he turns around to like look up some stuff on the computer and is shot in the back by this professor <laughs> who then starts pistol whipping the glass trying to unleash this fucking fungal creature. Yeah. Security guards come take him down. The rest of the lab is just like, here's the gunshots and the screaming and everything. And, you know, shit's going down. It's like yeah. not a normal day at work. It's like a very cool, in a sense, without it being a cold open, like structurally, in a sense, like we don't then go to the title of the of the book or anything. Yeah. It feels like a great cold open where right. you're like, it, what the fuck is going on? These issues really did remind me of like a well-structured TV show where it's just like showing, like introducing you to this like weird element. Uh, it's still like within a world we know, like it's at a BPRD lab in Jersey, but it's like, it's not like our main characters are there yet, but we're, we're like, we already know these characters, our main characters. So we're like interested in seeing like, what the fuck is going on with this weird shit? Yeah. We, it's sort of reminiscent, this creature of like some stuff we've seen. It's got like little tentacly kind of situations and it's like growing up in a, freakish kind of a way in mm -hmm. like similar kind of like Agdru Jahad kind of weird like yes. masses but it's like a fungus and mm -hmm. it's just crazy so yeah and then it cuts over to a cool like black establishing panel and which then, is like I think a perfect thing of like what you're saying with television and yeah. also energy is like we just left a very loud scene yeah and we've immediately and I, I can't remember where I heard this but like how this is storytelling stellar tellers use this a lot of like going from loud to quiet and yeah, how this really like device to like to well it just like is a good foil it's just like if it's putting two really contrasting things against each other to make to just highlight both of them the things so it's like we have the screaming chaotic scene into this like tranquil creepy scene yeah that happens super cinematic with these bodies just floating down through kind of like gentle water. Yeah. And I, I, this whole part, I'm wondering if it, I feel like it's a callback of two things and I yeah. could be wrong. I mean, I know one for certain is the, is the curse that he got from Rasputin and wake the devil. We're hearing again. That's all this dot, this, um, these dialogue through this, but then are these, what is his curse? Exactly. I'm forgetting like, off. I don't remember ex uh, the, that I just know he used these words. He said, do you hear sunken bills are tolling for thee? All of that was said by Rasputin after he, uh, in Wake the Devil, when he broke and the other agent died oh. in the pit. It was the curse. He's like, they're coming. You're going to die. Pretty much really? saying straight up, you're, I'm, I'm telling you, you don't know when, but it won't be by my hand. It will be, it, it will be through, it will not be by my hand, but it will be me that like is behind it. Yeah. It'll be somebody like else, but I'm in control the of works. it. Yes. I, I very poorly described no, that. No, no, no. That makes sense now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. I, I'm wondering if these bodies are all, are these bodies falling, if this is also, if it's a connective thread between that curse and also the drums of the dead on that mission. Right. Would, or of almost like a flashback of like that kind of. Yeah, all of them falling, especially because yeah, that's what I'm very. Or if it's just directly visually connected to the curse itself, 
But I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear from listeners about that. Yeah. That because it's a cool visually. This whole part is so, as you said, hunting it's and really also eerie. peaceful at once. Yeah, it's like such a quiet. Like at Tranquil. first you see these like figures falling, and then you kind of realize that, of course, they're like dead corpses. Abe's watching as they're falling down into this pit, um, out of the caverns of Numia dark and terrible deep and he like goes down down until he's like entering this light and then it's instead of the like black establishing panel we have yeah. this like white overwhelming light kind of a panel at the end the ocean's calling her children home and he like wakes up I like I think there's such cool shit that happens in these issues like Guy Davis just does such a good job at telling a story in a super cinematic way. I agree. Um, He's, I, I would love. I was. I, I would love to see the script of these. Yeah, like Mignola's script, and able to see what he was, what Guy Davis got handed, because the flow of it, again, it doesn't feel exactly like Mignola and his way of telling story. Yeah, but there's like, but they also both just in their own way have such a great. And we've spoken about this handle on keeping the story moving and leaving you wanting more just yeah. like that panel's like what the fuck yeah and if you've read before you you understand like oh this is the curse but it's giving if i was just to pick this up as a, a, a non-reader of hellboy at this point i still would be intrigued yeah he's just, he was making it look easy like this kind of yeah, shit they there's do. so many times when i read a comic book where i'm like wait which fucking panel am i supposed to be on <laughs> yeah. or like you know but these are just simple rectangular panels um, but just arranged in such a way that it really, um, yeah, his shot choices with each panel are so, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he's very, um, cin- like, as you said, influenced by cinema. Yeah. Like he probably just is a huge fan of movies. Like he, there's so much motion to all of these panels. They're yeah. fucking great. And his choice of mediums to wise, everything just flows with the information in the story that's yeah. unfolding in front of us. It's fucking awesome. And then it like from that, like serenity, but like creep overwhelmingly creepiness into this like normal office, kind of a morning, like dormitory sort of a morning where, you know, like Johan's sitting there at the table already. Cause he doesn't sleep. Yeah. Um, and Abe and Liz kind of have fun being like, that's creepy. Like, it's weird that, you know, uh, sorry, like everything's creepy before I drink my coffee kind of a thing. Like, don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. Um, uh, Kate rushes in. Where's Roger? We got to go. It cuts to Roger in the library reading about Roman gods. Cloacina. Cloacina. So He's good. obsessed. Uh, real quick, this panel right before they leave with Kate, uh, when when Johan says none taken, I'm a, I am aware that my unique condition can be disturbing. This is the most like Johan moment that made me go, Johan's sort of like the data of, yeah, of the he's BPRD. A little, yeah, yeah, for sure. He could not, not because he is a robot. He's human. He, it's where he began, yeah. but because he's now removed from the physical world. Right. He, it's like, he can't, he doesn't have any small gestures. Yeah. He can't make, uh, he can't speak or communicate through a um, nonverbal. It's always going to seem blunt because he has, yeah, his, his, you're totally right. Like his <laughs> communication is like only what he can say. And also like English being his second language. So he's like super, he's like great at it. He's super articulate, but it's like, he's just going to like, he's so formal in his speaking yeah. and it makes it really funny. Plus he's like just this information dump kind of a, he's this great device to be able to be like, 
oh, they just walk into a room and they can tell what's going on. Like, yeah. he, like he's, you know, he can sense that there's evil or that there's this or that. Like he, so he's like, you know, it's the same as like if data walked into a room and scanned it with something. And then he's telling you because of his scanner, it's like yes. just different uh, means of it, but it's like still the same. They're still accomplishing the same thing as characters. Totally. Um, while being just like, yeah. So like blunt to the point where it's like funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they're like, they're headed off to Jersey to check out this lab. Um, Abe's really fucked up from this dream. Yeah. Like he had a bad dream and then, um, Roger also had a fucking sad, this dream creepy is dream. fucking crazy. He's like, I had a dream last night. I was a child. I had parents and a round toy. That's so sad. By the way, this being who will never, it, who has yeah. never been a child and never will have a childhood. Like it, such a huge aspect of humanity that he'll just never experience. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I love the choice that they're bold enough to be like, he tells us in two, um, bubbles, um, speech bubbles yeah. what the dream was and then they're willing just to go silent and show you the dream real fast yeah there's like this sepia tone kind of like old-fashioned looking like even his like parents and the kids dress like it seems like just this sort of like antique looking sort of a theme or whatever probably just like what people in his village would have looked like as children yeah so that's what i just want to put this out there real quick yeah because i haven't read all of bprd um, so this might, I, I might be wrong, but if I was just reading this as I am for the first time with you, Kate, when we hit this with Roger, I go, there's so much flashing through my brain. I'm like, is this a dream? That's really just a dream of what he wished he could have. Like, like you said, like this, is what he saw and yeah. imagined, Oh, if I could have only had that. And then the lightning represents him bring his terrible alchemist, bringing him to life. Right. Yeah. Or he's a vessel, right? What oh, if yeah, he's, maybe he's like what if he was torn from something? Yeah, like he's if, retaining this information from something, something else, else that was yeah. maybe put in or from his him. maker's childhood or something like yes. his like creator's childhood something. Like it like that. excites me because I don't know the answer, but they've just put it out there. But yeah, it's not it's cool. part of the story. It is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like where would you have like because a dream? You know, it's basically like a fucking screensaver. It's just like shit in your subconscious. <laughs> that's like, oh, here it is. Like I heard that today, so I'm dreaming about this. Like. Uh, yeah, so somewhere deep down, this like came from somewhere. It's not like just something that he generated, most likely. I'm just so imagining really a human in the world that now dreams only screensavers. <laughs> just little, <laughs> little like toasters with wings. Yeah, it's still very outdated. Everyone who listens to this is uh, at least 30, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. guys know what that or is. Or it's just like what the new like iTVs do, which is just like you're just watching images. Oh, of, yeah, like, you're just cities. like floating over a cool city in like 4K. <laughs> Like you're the most boring dreamer we've ever met. <laughs> Peaceful, <laughs> tranquil. Um, yeah, he gets hit by lightning. It's sad. Yeah, that's I a love bad it. one. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. They're all just you know. I'm they're like, sure can't they're top all like, that. <laughs> plagued by terrible dreams at all times because of the fucked up shit they all see. Yeah. Um, and they're but past. I think mine was worse. Abe says so. Even this like horrific vision of like a little kid getting struck by lightning is like, yeah, mine was worse than that. It was yeah. bad. Mine's mine's sort of tapped into something I experienced yeah. when we met you. <laughs> so crazy. So they they make it to Jersey. The security guards giving them the rundown. Professor Derby came in, shot our doctor, our BPRD doctor. Security comes in, shoots him. 
Great use and of then, security cams. It doesn't yeah. show us what you, what we don't already know. It only adds to, yeah, it's which like is a, a great it's tool. It's like other angles, and then it's expanding on the story. It's like, here's where we, like, it does, it establishes it, and then it's like, here's some more inf- info. Um, as soon as the glass breaks from, like, being shot by the security guards, the fucking fungus, like, has a tendrils and tentacles that, like, go into the bullet holes Ugh. and, like, absorb this guy. Yeah. Um, and his eyes like he called master like yeah. while he was trying to break it out. His eyes go white right before the all the like power goes out. Yeah, it's very gross and creepy. Two security guards are missing. Doctor's still dead. They you guys got to go in there and check it out. They walk in initially with like face masks, but the air is not dangerous. Although it's a little creepy in there. <laughs> yeah. um, I like that. Like the further in they walk, they give you like this little panel of sunlight coming in. Like the yeah. coloring is so great on on all of these, like you know, as usual. Praise fucking, be to Dave Stewart. <laughs> Dave Stewart is just crushing it all the time. Um, and they get deeper and deeper, and it gets like cooler, cooler and cooler colors as they go into this huge room with all of these. Like they kind of split up, and Abe and Liz go off into this room with all kinds of animals that they've been experimenting on. Um, Liz says, wow, too bad. There are no good places down here for bad guys to hide, which is like very (laughs) funny. It's like the creepiest, most cluttered room in the laboratory you can have. Um, with no power. Yeah. No power. (laughs) Just like things floating in, you know, solutions and like live apes and live frogs. Yeah. And I love that she's making just a simple torch with her hand. Love the control of that power. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they kind of like talk about his dream a little bit. Um, and then she's sort of saying like, you know, we know our stories, like we know Roger's story, we know my story and Johan's story, but we don't know yours. And then we get a quick panel of him in that tube under Washington, D.C., under the uh, Pentagon. It's not the Pentagon. You keep forgetting. You oh, keep shit. mistaking it for the Pentagon. It's Where is it? St. Trinian's. Trinian's Hospital. Oh, whoops. That's, I think it, it might be located near oh, okay. there. But it's uh, in D.C. though, right? I feel like it is. I might okay. be wrong, but you'd have to look it up. But I think we've we've had that mistake a couple of times. Whoops. Which is okay. It's not the end of the world. I love, in addition to that panel, though, um, how we get these cool different versions of images we've already previously seen, but by Mignola. Yeah. Like we have... Um, we have Roger at his first time we've ever seen him, but done by Guy Davis now. Yeah. Johan's experience by him, as well as Liz's. I'm assuming that's just when she's obliterating her family and her yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, there's like fucking bones flying. But man, th- their use of just the simplicity of words and simplicity of images in this, I'm just going to continue constantly praising. Yeah. And they even kind of give you, there's like these color palettes of each character, like Roger's whole panel is a little bit of a like desaturated color that of his like skin basically mm-hmm. like he has that pale kind of like brown like skin that the whole panel takes on yeah and then same with johan like johan's always like his like ethereal kind of glow um, or blue glow is like always one. a little blue and then liz's is of course like this fire fiery panel it's really neat yeah, and then we have that green with Abe, as you were pointing out. Yeah, too. yeah. And so Liz is like, hey, what's, what are you dreaming about? It cuts over back to where Roger and Johan have discovered Dr. Platt shot on the desk, the cracked open 
um, kind of like terrarium that they had this fungus in and then cuts back to Liz and Abe looking, looking. Liz is like, we're never going to find anything. This is like a great kind of like montage cutting back and forth. With the flow characters. is so perfect. Yeah. Like it's never like confusing. It's just like simple. Here's a couple panels of what's going on here. Here's a couple panels of what's going on there. So basically they're like, there's like something is weird with this professor's body. And then Johan freaks out and like, his spirit. Yeah. Cause he flipped him over leaving his suit. They found a weird like hole in his forehead. Yeah. Right. And then as they're like talking only by communication via like a little communicator, talkie or, or like more, it seems a little more advanced cause it's small. I don't know what that you'd call it. I've never <laughs> used, but like he starts to put his little, um, ectoplasmic self into this hole. Yeah. Don't be putting yourself in holes, Johan. Yeah. Cause <laughs> something bad could happen. And that's exactly what, what goes down. And then meanwhile, down in this storage room, this security guard approaches them, approaches Liz and Abe. And as he's getting closer, he's transforming into a fucking frog creature. When was the last time we saw frog creatures? Reminds me of a little Cavendish Hall situation that we've seen. And there was other, the only other frog people, I believe, are Conqueror Worm, which will get mentioned briefly. And this is a cool way, Whoa. like, he's now, like, using, he's breaking the panel really sparingly. Yeah. Just with this frog creature, the little, like, fingers and feet are expanding beyond the panel, which is, like, really cool. Makes it, like, super effective to use it so sparingly. He's like, so he really, like, hops out at you super fast. Um, Yeah, pins Abe. Another one pops out. Pins Liz. Shit's looking bad, son of a, like. And then <laughs> Abe just lights him up, blasting him away. While Roger's checking on Johan, the fucking doctor wakes up and he's looking a little froggy. And then we see him get punched through the wall like Roger just fucking knocks him out. <laughs> frog monster. This is bad. All And then just like the frogs in the cage from earlier ribbiting. Um, so eerie to yeah, end on that after all creepy, that chaos. Like, zoom in. We don't know what the fuck's going on. Ribbit. Yeah. Wow. And that ends chapter one. And yeah, it's so cool. What a good cliffhanger. Just wow. Yeah. Love it. Like, God damn it. Like these guys again. I know. Sort of right. You thought like, that's going to be a one-off story back in Sea Destruction, a little reference in Conqueror Worm. Yeah. But now it's like, where did they come from? Yeah. It makes you think, I mean, it made me think like a little like, is what the fuck is Rasputin gonna like show up or like for a yeah. second? You know, I'm just like, who uses these guys? Um, but then yeah, so the f- cover of chapter two is so fucking dark. It's the chains wrapped around Roger's neck as he's hanging down from like a rafter yeah, of some, some sort, or like yeah, a, a shell or like a warehouse shed, yeah, farm barn house. Uh, referencing that this cover, I mean, the other f- first cover is is. Great too. The the original the chapter one cover is oh, wonderful, yeah. and I love they do this like yeah, pattern yeah, like of Roger splitting in it. his suit, like spreading out. It's like it's like the moment where he like is reacting to the 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 hole or the whatever's inside the man's the doctor's, uh, doctor's head, hole. and then the other um, three agents are behind him in this yellow glow. And yeah, the coloring is so cool, and then a big frog monster at this bottom. But I love how each of these covers does this thing where they have like. It's split into two panels, like yeah. a, a main panel and then a small one that sort of is always an illustration of some sort of association with frogs. Yeah. Because in the second one below is like a 
who appears to be a young girl holding a, a frog up as like an offering. Weird. Yeah. Just like an eerie image to have under. It's like seemingly innocent, but really horrible in the context of being under Raj, a character that yeah. we love hanging by his neck. Exactly. Um, and each black yeah. panel of the cover on the uh, opposite side, they do these little frogs in the corner. Yeah. That are cool and they're always different little colors. They're great. To match. Those look like Mignola frogs. Right? They really do. They could be. I think they, they are. They look like Mignola frogs. They're great. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So then chapter two, we've got one of these frog creatures in a tube in a lab. They're studying him. It's a BPRD. Yeah. I love it. Basically, you know, like these guys again, we've seen these guys before and they let us know like Abe kind of takes us down memory lane with the Cavendish brothers holding their dead mom back in the hall. Yeah. Um, I love that flashback and the use of red because that's not how we originally saw it, but it's such a cool, weird take that as like a memory print. Yeah. The red, the use of red in that flashback is almost like another like aged photo kind of feel from, from just the color choices. Yeah. Liz reminds us that's one of the creatures that killed Professor Broom was, you know, one of these frog creatures. They think about Hellboy for a second. Roger says, I miss him. Yeah, it's such a fun Yeah, moment. well, <laughs> yeah. We all do. Yeah, so they're like, a, you know, they acknowledge him for a second, but they're like, we got to think about this shit. He's not here to help us right now. Um, and then one of the doctors who's working in this lab is like, Saduham, like, remember? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and... He, what's funny is this professor reminded me of the... Uh, the the guy the villain from Dark Waters a little bit design wise yeah. and I was like ooh there's one of those on with the good his, side with his like beard his like yeah. neck beardy kind of a no mustache beard kind of a guy yeah it's a very distinct look very um yeah and then uh, Roger him yeah Sadu him I was just like oh yeah we found a there's like some gas from a space capsule that turned a bunch of guys into some of these frog creatures meanwhile Professor O'Donnell's back here yelling about Sadu him um, getting super pissed and like Ibis et eb sabu hem. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, professor. <laughs> it's like they're there. And then like, you know, Tom's just like trying to quiet him basically. Yeah, he's like, uh oh. <laughs> he's like, okay, here's the thing. We check up on Cavendish Hall every six months and we went there and found a teeny little like spore of a We were just following protocol. Fungus, that's all. <laughs> So we studied it and let it grow. And sure, maybe that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, he's like, it seemed like a good idea at the time, basically. And then fucking Professor O'Donnell is like being like eyes wide, bugging out of his skull. He's going to resurrect himself. And, you know, now inside human skin and he's going forth into the world like a man. So it's like, OK, we thought that this guy was done for. Yeah. But- not quite. And we know me guy. It's this creature. The Sadu yeah. Ham is like, we thought it was done, but it like really has brought itself back, starting with the smallest fungus. That's yeah. wild. And just like terrifying because like, can it be, it makes you go, can this be destroyed? If it can- Right. If, if it's like every single particle of it would have to be killed. And then from this little bit, it's going to make this crazy comeback and start turning a lot of people into frogs. Um, out of it will come forth a plague of frogs. You know, we have like O'Donnell here as our like, remember, this is what this this is what was foretold. So we're telling you that again. But he does it in like a really cool, creepy way. And they're like, sure, sure, Professor, let's get to your pills. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, he's a crazy man, but he's not wrong. This thing is back. 
Totally. I love the quick panel of when he's he's screaming. Yeah. Uh, and that goes to the, the creature. That quick take of like Sadu Ham, that drawing, the first drawing we've had of Guy Davis doing Sadu Ham yeah, in the red looks right great. there. Oh, terrifying. Very gross. Come forth a plague of These hearts. like weird eye stalks that are like just so fucking gross. Like, what is it? Tryptophobia? If, fear of like all these little circles. This would definitely set you off if you yeah. were if you were really sensitive to that. I know um, a friend that's that's he's sensitive to that stuff. They're very freaky. They're it's horrible. <laughs> Any ones that are like, this is a picture f- just to freak those kind of people out. It's like, well, I don't want to look at it either. Yeah. I don't love that. <laughs> it doesn't do anything for me. It's but always I'd- like a bunch of teeth sticking out of a hand or something. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, gross. Really gross. Yeah, so anyway, they're... <laughs> the BPRD office, which is like this big crowded office we see, it really does feel like a branch of the government, you know, as as like we've seen before. It's employs a ton of people and they're all kind of like looking into this stuff. Yeah. It's just um, a great detail. I love about the BPRD. Yeah. I love keeping it that grounded. Yeah. It's just like a normal kind of office for people to work in. You know, yeah. it's, it's neat. You don't need floors that drop in and secretly take you into a vault. Yeah. It's not like a crazy no fantastic for like Kirby esque <laughs> thing. It's like, it gives it, like you said, it grounds it a little bit and makes it, Puts it in the real world. And one of the agents, you know, looked into the professor that came in shooting and, you know, he was boring and (laughs) paid his bills and all this stuff. And then recently he starts talking about like writing big checks to something called the new temple of mysteries. What's that? Where is that? Yeah. So they go cut to Crab Point, Michigan, and the BPRD copter is flying over this like ghost town, basically. I love that helicopter shot. I don't know why. I think it's just so perfect. And then yeah. the sound effect is perfect. Yeah, though, like... Whoop, 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 whoop. Again, he just keeps nailing really san- cinematic moments. Yeah. Really every, bringing life and energy to every panel. Tons of movement, like... And, like, just the environment, like, the clouds and everything. Um, and the grayness of this town make yeah. it seem so, you know, this, like dead abandoned town with nobody around it's really effective they're like okay we're gonna you know check this place out but they run into a little trouble before you know they're they're like abe's kind of checking in on johan seeing if he's okay he's like yeah yeah i was i was just vulnerable but now i'm fine and then wait (laughs) yeah not so much like abe kind of grabs johan and we see down in this like uh, like otherwise dilapidated, like this fucked up dilapidated church. Yeah. With a hole through the ceiling. And this weird dude is looking up through the hole at the helicopter. The enemy is upon us, but I shall not fear for I have felt the stirrings of my gods. You know, this like super ominous, Ooh. like creepiness. Abe's freaking out. Yeah. Cause Johan is being completely affected by this, this presence. Cause he's like, I'm fine. But he's like, you I sense the alien prince, but I'm, I, but I'm prepared. I, and he's like, ah, it's yeah. like, he's having a full on effect to this. Yeah. And it goes even really beyond Johan. Him up. Yeah. And he's like turning back into a little rubbery kind of a suit. Cause he's like really get almost like passing out as much as Johan can. And we see this like strange priest talking to a congregation that we can't see any of their faces, but we see a ton of people are in there. Probably everybody in this whole town. Next to a giant figure besides him in the shadows. Yeah, covered, shrouded with 
some Sheets? cloth. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not looking very good. Yeah. Nor shall any who dwell in my house have caused cause to fear. The herald of the new day has come upon us. He yeah. has seal, placed his seal upon a, upon you so that you will live forever. And then, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then we start having some uh, technical difficulties with this helicopter. It fucking goes down. Roger flies out somewhere. The rest of the chopper goes into the roof of this, like, some old factory building or something. And then cuts to, after this, like, horrific accident, cuts to black. And then we see where Roger landed. He kind of wakes up, shakes it off because he's fine. (laughs) Uh, He doesn't see any helicopter or anything, but he... So creepy. He walks up to this like open door where he hears something and a little red ball like the one from his dream, dream. bounces out. Ugh. Creepy. Um, so he goes into investigate. He's like, hi, don't be afraid. Where are you? Comes to this little girl on this like dock with a bunch of fucked up boats underneath. Like, Yeah, everything's gone to hell. In everything this fucking something town. went bad in this town. <laughs> like this town, something bad happened here. Um, he and it's like eerie how quiet it is too. Yeah. Um. But he comes upon this little girl, and we see the little sound effect of the herb, like the little frog kind of croak sound effect. And at first you're like, "Oh no, what is she already?" And then she making that sound, right? Who's making that? And then she opens up to reveal a frog in her hand. Roger's like, "Oh, oh, I thought that. Oh, but you're all right. Don't be afraid." And uh, he's trying to help her. She seems innocent enough. But then, of course, she's got the fucking same skull hole that <laughs> yeah. we've seen on these other f- things before they turn. Ugh. And then she starts ripping, like transforming, ripping through the clothes. And everything turns she's into saying this- is terrifying. Yeah, too. It's so the creepy. blessing of the Lord is upon me. He has made me his messenger he says go out among his people and gather them unto me like she transforms fucking crazy fast the other ones really got big big, but she's like whoa she has tusks and all yeah her fucking like the stretched out like face skin that peels back from behind the gums and the tusks is like so gnarly like We've sort of like, you know, it's it's really reminiscent of the monsters, of course, from Seed of Destruction. Oh, yeah. Very much like this looks like the form that Hellboy had to like fight and almost lost. Yeah. But it is cool. Like to see this, this like iteration of the creatures is really fun. Like they both do such a great job at these kind of like the textures of these creatures and the long spindly fingers and like everything like. It's still super creepy and gross. It looks like his skin would cut you. I love that. that yeah, yeah. Like it. you don't even want to touch this thing. It fucking looks nasty. Ugh. And it starts like beating the shit out of Roger. He's trying to ask like where the girl is. And we it kind of cuts to a shot of her saying help me. And that stops Roger just long enough to get fucking smacked into a beam and you know, whipped around like Loki Hulk style, getting <laughs> yeah. just smashed into everything. Uh, he is, it's, it's almost sad. You care so much about Roger. You're just, it's, it's like, they're just taking a beating. This helicopter going down and followed by this. Whoa. It's fucking looking bleak. And then tons of like clanging. Roger says to the creature, do your worst. You're no match for, and then is gagged by, this thing, like, you know... He was trying to get a Hellboy line him. out, and then he got fucking choked. Yeah, and then fucking right through a hole where I guess you would, like, put a boat. I don't know. 
Yeah, I assume like a dock, so you yeah. maybe drop a, sh- a shipment down to the boat. Yeah. yeah, and so, yeah, he falls with a clang and just is hanging there. Ugh. And then we go, you know, we just see the creepy outside establishing shot that we saw of the door, this like unassuming but like kind of creepy looking door that he walked yeah. through in the first place. Ugh. And then it cuts to the fucking aftermath of the helicopter crash, which is bad. The pilots appear to be both dead. Well, one, one looks like one has been fucking straight impaled up. The other one might be alive. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if he's like lucky or unlucky, I guess, depending on <laughs> where, what this you, goes. Yeah, where this is going. Oh, uh, we see Abe and Liz and Johan all just like falling all over the floor of this helicopter. Yeah, everybody's un- unconscious. And meanwhile, something calls to Abe, Abraham Saprian. Do you hear? Sunken bells are tolling for thee. And then it like. In Abe's mind, we see more of the bodies falling and falling down. Yeah. And then we see this church door opening with light inside with this like weird sigil on the front. Yeah. And then it cuts to this panel of, of white, of light, like shining Ooh. up, like when he fell through in his other dream that he had earlier. And that's the fucking end of chapter two. That's chapter two. That's so eerie. It's so eerie. We're in such a bad place yeah it's terrible <laughs> uh, it's like the game this is where the kind of shit that the game really captured i thought the board game i would agree of like <laughs> just disaster striking and being like well there's how could they possibly get out of this yeah you're like good luck yeah <laughs> and you're just like you don't know what's to come because there's so many so many things on the table yeah visually that are just hanging there for you to be like what is that literally leaving oh. you hanging yeah Ew. sorry roger <laughs> <laughs> No disrespect. <laughs> wow. Any like final thoughts? Um, find favorite panels, dialogue, anything all together. Like, cause there's just, this really leaves me again. Like, damn, they're so lucky. They found guy Davis. Yeah. Mignola's writing a great script, which I'm showing it's different from his Hellboy stories, but it's also so simple. Yeah. Their use of simplicity, I think, is brilliant. And I will continue to like just call that out and how wonderful I think it is. I love all the character design that Guy Davis has done for I agree. Four like they look so cool. Like I think Johan and Abe especially like look so awesome. And even just but like everybody, every character has is like very of his style, but still very distinct looking. Yeah. And and I really do just think that he did that one panel with the frog breaking the like the frog breaking the panel in chapter one. Yeah. The security guard frog. Um, that looks so great. I love Liz walking into the sub basement and being like, too bad there's no good places down <laughs> yeah. here for bad guys to hide. I thought that was really fun. I gotta say, yeah. What about you? This helicopter crash. Yeah. Is brilliant. Like you feel it. You feel the hit. You feel everything. You feel the panic. And it's like there's dialogue informing that as well. But I think if you even pulled out all the dialogue, you just feel that panic. The way that every panel as you go from like the pilots, you can see on their faces just the fear and uncertainty. It going down and whoop, whoop. Then all the agents just sort of losing their footing. Yeah. Roger's out the fucking window. And then, you know, he doesn't know what. Like it happens fast, but it also takes forever, which is like how people describe disasters. (laughs) Like, yeah. And you really do get to see all of the everything unfold in a big way. Like it's not just, I feel like so often helicopter, like any kind of crash like that might have just been conveyed by like, 
one panel showing a big explosion, but this you get to see like the lead up and like you get to feel all of the pressure of these pilots trying to keep it up in the air. And then also the aftermath of just like people sp- fucking strewn about like rag dolls. Yeah. I love the, it's the, really sh- cool. the panel where you see the, over the shoulder of the pilots yeah, and it going towards the building and then they hit it. And this is cool because Kate goes out the window or out the side. Yeah. We don't know where Kate is. At the end, we see the... And she's not super... You know, she's not Roger. She's not just going to stand right up again and be like, I'm okay. No, it's like, fuck, where's she? And then I love the blackout. It's just... I mean, without being... uh, I feel like I just fear of being... Lack of articulation of just absolutely perfect storytelling. Yeah. Both of these chapters... The flow is just unbelievable. The the use of story where you're you're giving a little, you keep us going. Like for example, of giving a little but enough, and then coming back and informing us is like just the simplicity of we we enter the story through the professor going in and doing this thing. We're like, what the fuck's going on? People getting shot. Yeah. And then when the BPRD, we get more of the information along with them, and it's very interesting. You're keeping us. On, along with them it's so cool oh i i don't know i don't know how else to articulate how lucky i feel to be reading guy davis and mignola and then going yeah. forward for the first time and it really shows you like how far mignola's come in his storytelling too where it's like everything is super clear he's balancing tons of characters at the same time and, and Scott Alley must be and, helping. Like maybe this is a good time to put in the bring back the curse yeah. that he received and all of these things. Yeah. The rod showing more of Roger's humanity and also making it a foil in that fight because it's like this thing's transformed. It's no longer that, but he's still concerned. He doesn't even yeah. understand it. And that fo- causes him to like, if lose there's that any, fight. If there's any bit of that little girl still there, he doesn't want to like kill Something her. he possibly learned from Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah, that gets him into trouble also like Hellboy. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool. Oh, there's so much here. Yeah. I can't wait to finish it. I didn't finish it yet. I love that you haven't finished it yet. <laughs> it's going to be exciting to hear yeah. your thoughts on it because it's is a brilliant story. Keep it fresh for the pod. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and I do like that he goes for a line. I think that, that that's sad, but that's like my favorite piece of dialogue is Roger going to be trying to help, trying to give a confident line in the middle of this fight but it not coming out because he gets he gets taken down yeah that's like a really unique way to be like tell us as readers like nope it's not we're not in the same spot you're used to Mm -mm. you're used to these guys getting the upper hand or hellboy nope not now yeah (laughs) boy it's wild yeah this is absolutely a brilliant piece of storytelling and Everything is great. I, yeah, it's uh, so cool. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you to read it. I'm so it's excited. like distinctly different from Hellboy, but enough that it's enough associated with it that, and it's like, it's just fun to learn more about these characters and like still feels like there's a mystery to them, even though we've known some of them for like, what, 10 years at this point. I mean, Abe is the big one. They even call yeah. it out in this. This yeah, chapter like we don't know anything about you really and yeah as an audience you're like yeah i want to figure out more about this guy can't wait yeah it's <laughs> cool great i love that um off of everything anything that we just read anything come to mind that you would love to suggest for our listeners to read watch or enjoy in addition to 
their um, Plague of Frog. I mean, I know I've already recommended Last of Us, but the spores and stuff, like all of the fungus really makes me think of of that of that game because that's kind of like what it is that's making things zombified and makes these really cool like creepy character designed creatures um i think the new one's coming out really soon cool uh so i don't know i'm excited about that that's great yeah i think i i best because i think johan is very much a data character i haven't watched all of the new generation i just seen those movies but I'm going to say go revisit the original Star Trek movies. I think like the first Star Trek, the motion picture is actually a little underrated. Yeah. I think it's actually reveal of like what this thing that shows up that's causing trouble is very sci-fi and cool. A bunch of the Star Trek movies are yeah. really solid. I would highly suggest one, two, four. I think four is probably the best of those ones yeah. and underrated. Um, I'm forgetting the name of Voyage Home, I believe. I think so. That's when they go back in time. You think that concept would be corny and dumb. They nail it. It's perfect. Yeah, Voyage Home. Voyage Home is so underrated. Yeah. And then Six is fucking awesome, too. I highly suggest just revisiting those because they that's what spurred me. And it's, you know, they're a team and they're a family. And I think that was the BPRD as well. Yeah. So, yeah, go back and revisit those. Woo. Um, Kate. Give our listeners what they want, and that is because they're all so hungry to draw. Yeah, right. I got, I, I gotta draw. We I don't need know. to draw. Who cares? It. They're gonna be out there in the world forever. Yeah. Um, hashtag right hand or draw prompt. What is it for this week? So for this week, let's do like a BPRD, kind of like a. I mean, at first I was gonna say like sports. I haven't said that before, have I? I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> I really should be writing them down. I have them. I have them written down in our log and our readers. Oh, uh, good. Uh, our uh, our reading guide. Can you send that to me? Yeah, I mean, I probably already have. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, I great. will. Okay. I will again. <laughs> I'm much more organized than this. Don't listen, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. We'll do like them having like a sport, like a field day. BPRD field day. I love that <laughs> field day. Like, but they're out like Kickball it's not or yeah. something, you know, it's, it's recreational, recreational. Yeah. Great. Recreational I love that. sports. BPRD field day slash recreational sports. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to see what they would play. We can't wait to um, look <laughs> at those. If you do draw a picture of any of any of today's this week's or prior weeks, hashtag or, um, right hand of draw. Just give that hashtag along with it. Tag us at Aw Crap a Hellboy Podcast. We're on Twitter, Aw Crap Hellboy. We will be happily, super excited to check those images out. Yeah. Repost them so all of our followers can see it. And then hopefully that will get them to follow you. Yeah. Because that's the whole reason for this is we're working together. Yeah, just to like check out everybody's cool art. Like there's so many talented people who have submitted stuff already and it's just awesome. Like it's, it tickles me a lot. To it see really is. They are, when I go back and revisit them, just when I'm on the um, Instagram feed, yeah. I'm like, these are so funny. They're so funny and so good. Like they're just great. God, so the art is amazing. Thanks for doing them. 
Great. And remember, you can email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from all of you out there. And you can follow us on Instagram at awcrapahellboypodcast, Twitter, awcraphellboy. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. But if you give us a five-star rating as well as a review that starts with the word boom on Apple Podcasts, we will read your review right here and give you a big old shout out on the podcast. Because we love getting those from you. And a big announcement. This episode kicks off a three um, episode arc for us going over and enjoying the Plague of Frogs. On the third installment, Plague of Frogs 3, we will officially do our first giveaway. Yeah. Our first giveaway will take place on that episode, Plague of Frogs Part 3. Yeah. And did you want to give a big shout out to a friend of the podcast? Yeah, I want to say thanks, Alex, for sending like these awesome posters and like movie merch over like that really, really cool, a really cool like T-shirt with the really cool designed, like kind of sliced up looking Hellboy face with all of the demons kind of like coming out of him was included. That was fucking great. And then just this cool little figure uh, from like a 2008 figure of Hellboy. And he's just standing there stoically looking cool, badass. It's a very good Yeah, thanks for sending that stuff. It's so awesome. And we really thank you, Alex. Yeah, thank you. Please pay attention to when we do the giveaway and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Just yeah. thanks a lot. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And remember. We love you. Test, test, test. One, two, three. One, two, three. Cheese in my mouth. Test, test, test. No cheese over here. I got no cheese. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. And we host Everything is Rent, a podcast about the Broadway musical Rent. Every week, we're joined by a hilarious guest to talk about one of Rent's 525,600 songs. We'll answer questions like, is Rent the best musical of all time? Has Rent aged well? Are they not going to pay Rent? The answer to all these questions is yes. That's Everything is Rent on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.